Hello, happy Friday, June 10th. We've made it through another basically full week for this podcast. And of course, now the month of June, we're almost halfway through June, which is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, it's been just about a month now um, <clears throat> since the Penguins got eliminated. Uh, last night, on Thursday night, it was 37 days since game one of the Stanley Cup playoffs for the Penguins against the Rangers. Um, this has absolutely flown the heck by. Um, it is crazy to me. Um, how fast the series fly, how fast the offseason, honestly, um, is flying. We have another jam-packed show for today. The Penguins made a front office um, move today from Mike DeFable. We're going to get into that and what that means moving forward for the Family Sports Group. We're also going to get into potentially another player that maybe is on the Penguins' radar, but, you know, should that player be on the Penguins' radar? Hint, hint, he is from the Chicago Blackhawks. So if you want to guess that player at some point in the podcast, before I get to it, you can. We'll also get to... Um, Case in DeSmith's season review, what grade I would give him, and you know, should the team bring him back next year? And we'll also get to game five of the Eastern Conference Final between the Lightning and the Rangers as the Rangers will face another do or die game on Saturday. So that's all coming up right after this drop. Your locked on Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. You want to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Eleanor's Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day another five week show um another five five day week with the show excuse me basically done now um as you know again we are rolling through the offseason i've had more requests about nhl draft stuff with regards to the pittsburgh penguins again i'll say what i said on thursday for those that did not listen to that um you know prospects is definitely the 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 big thing for me where i do not know a lot about them you know I, that's that's the one area where i am lacking in my expertise opinions, um, I guess, but I'm going to try to bring on um, some people onto this show that definitely know a lot more than me and potentially at some point as we get close to the draft, make a big board of who the Penguins could take at 21. Uh, I've had a couple people DMing me some players that they're looking at. Um, I, I'm going to do, do as a big of a dive as I can into those players as the draft gets closer. And again, I am going to try to bring on some people that know a lot more about the players in this draft class than I do so they can give me a scouting report, you know, give you all a scouting report, and you know who who is a realistic option for the Penguins at number 21 because you know the Penguins they have a first round pick this year. I know it's very weird to say that, but you no, know, they have a chance, I think, to get a pretty good player that could contribute, you know, a, f- a few years down the line. You know, obviously it's not like the NFL for most of these picks. A lot of these players still have to go through junior leagues, AHL, all that stuff. Uh, but you know, again, the opportunity will be there for the Penguins to make that pick. And again, as I get closer to the draft, I am going to, you know, focus more on some of the prospects and try to, you know, give you as well of, of a scouting report as I can, while also bringing on some other people who know a little bit more than me or a lot more than me, um, I should say. Um, now with that out of the way, let's get into some of the um, the big news. Well, so, well, at least this was recent news today. So this is according to Mike DeFabo, um, Kevin Acklin, who has been in the organization um, he is going to be named the Penguins president of business operations. So this was basically what David Morehouse was doing 
before he stepped down. Um, he was the Penguins president and CEO as a whole. Um, he is going to, um, Ackland is going to, you know, at least take most of that. He's going to be the president of business operations and Brian Burke will remain president of hockey operations. So it's basically going to be Ackland and Burke running the show for the Fenway Sports Group. Um, in Ackland's prior role with the club, so he was basically responsible for the business operations of the Penguins and their arena properties as a whole. So, you know, this is just a, a small little promotion for him. So he he knows what he's doing here. Um, according to Fabo, he also provided strategic advice to the senior executive team and ran the Penguins' redevelopment efforts on the former Civic Arena site, which has gone through a, a whole lot of stuff. Um, they have groveled about what they are supposed to do um, with that land for almost a decade now. I think they finally uh, figured out what they're doing. I think they're going to be building apartments there. If I'm not mistaken, um, they, they've been, again, they've been going at war for that for, God, like I said, a cl- close to a decade um, at this point. Um, you know, prior to joining the Penguins, Ackland, he was the chief of staff and chief development officer for uh, Pe- uh, Pittsburgh Mayor Bill Peduto, who was here until um, 2017. Um, so that was the big news, at least from the organization standpoint today. They did not go outside the organization to fill that role. Um, if anyway, sports group that is, they stayed in house so wanted to update you all with that search um because you know i I promised i would when you know they named morehouse replacement it looks like it's going to be kevin ackland um so moving on from that getting into our next topic um casey DeSmith continuing on the season reviews for the penguins so DeSmith started in 26 games for the penguins this year um was basically break even in goal save above expected minus 0.6 um you know rounds up to one if you really think about it but still you know not not the greatest year overall. I mean, nine fourteen save percentage. That's fine. That's only 0.5 percent lower uh, than Tristan Jari. So he actually, you know, DeSmith. You can honestly argue that he played better down the stretch than Tristan. But I also do think that Jari was a lot more fatigued down the stretch from playing so many freaking games in the first half of the regular season. I mean, he was saving their butts in a lot of those games and making some ten bell saves when the team was just not healthy. Um, but, you know, again, that that really, I think, screwed him in the, in the second half of the regular season because, you know, he was starting to give up goals that he was really not do, giving up um, in the first half. And, you know, I will say this, credit due to Smith for actually figuring out um, – what was the word I'm looking for? You know, just, just figuring himself out during that stretch run um, because, you know, there was a time, you know, he was, I believe – 880, 885 through the first half of the regular season. And, and, and DeSmith, I think, spoke to the media and said, yeah, I mean, this is probably the lowest point of my NHL career. But, you know, he was able to turn it around, Was had a stretch, I think, five, six, seven starts in a row where he was at 930, um, looking like the goaltender that we saw in sports the season before, before before he went down when the playoffs started last year. It's, two, it's crazy, two consecutive years where he just, just randomly gets hurt. Um. Um, and again, you know, he was, he was playing well, um, down the stretch on um, the save percentage on unblock shots, 950 this year, save percentage on expected save percentage on unblock shots, 951, 2.79 goals against average, um, 2.77 expected goals against average. He is a unrestricted free agent. So he is going to be able to sign with anyone who, who he wants. Um, so far there's been no rumors about them in contract discussions. I'm sure you can get him for very cheap. Um, I don't think the guy is going to go out there and, you know, get 3.5 to 4 million or anything like that. I think you could probably get him for 
two million. You know, if he asked for two point five, I honestly, I don't. You know, maybe maybe you do it, but I, I don't think he's worth two and a half million um, for you know the level of play that we've seen for him um, at times when he's not been good. Um, you know, it, it's it's a tough call because you know the goaltending market. While there are some names that I have touched on on this uh, podcast a couple of weeks ago, it gets dry pretty quick. Um, you know, I already talked about Yaroslav Halak. He's kind of been, you know, washed at this point. Braden Holpe, he would make sense. Darcy Kemper is not going to come here. Jack Campbell, not going to come here. Um, you know, there's it, – it falls off pretty quickly. This is not the best goaltending market. You know, the, the goaltending market where they could have made a move last off – you know, the, the goaltending market where they could have made a move – was last offseason where there was a lot of 1A, 1B kind of goalies. And, you know, sure, you can definitely make the argument that some of those guys got too much money. And, you know, especially for someone like Linus Allmark, who was, got, what, six times six uh, in Boston. That's ridiculous. But, you know, there was someone like James Reimer who only got $2.5 million, I think, for, what, two years with the Sharks? I mean, he would have been a perfect 1B stopgap option behind Jari. So um, I'm not really sure what the plan is from Hextall with DeSmith. Um, I I honestly think it's a true coin flip. It's 50-50 for me. Um, what they should do, um, in my opinion, I do think they should try to go out and make a run at one of those veterans like Holpe because, you know, if it, say, say Jari goes down in the playoffs again next year if the Penguins make it, and I'm sure they probably will, um, you know, are, are you pretty com- comfortable in Casey DeSmith or would you have more confidence in Braden Holpe? I would assume a good chunk of you would say Braden Holpe. I would understand if some of you didn't, but I would think the majority of you all would probably say someone like Holpe, who is a veteran and, you know, a couple of the other veterans that are on the market um, as well. So, you know, I, I think that that's what they should do. They should look to move on that. But again, I will 100% not be surprised in the slightest if he does come back. In other words, I have no idea what's going to happen. I can only speculate on what is going to happen. I don't have really any inside information on this. None of the other Penguins reporters are reporting anything on it either. Um, You know, at at the end of the day, there's still like 30 plus days until free agency. We're not going to really know the clarity on this situation um, for at least a few more weeks. Um, so at the end of the day, we'll see, um, you know, they, they gotta, fi- they gotta find someone to, to back up Jari. Um, if it's running it back, it's running it back. If it's going out in free agency and doing that, um, you know, obviously that'll be, um, a different story and something that we'll talk about at that time. Overall, liked what I saw from him down the stretch. I do think, I personally think they win that series. If he is healthy against the Rangers, he played really well in game one. Um, it was a shame that, you know, that his hip basically gave out. Awesome to see him already back on the ice. It's, I mean, it's already been a month, and usually that injury is like a, I think, six to eight weeks to potentially nine weeks um, with the surgeries that I've seen um, other NHL players have. So, you know, it's great to see him back working out and all that stuff. And, you know, we'll have to see what uh, the Penguins regime decides. So um, that wraps up this first segment of the podcast for the season. You know, I'm going to give him a C, you know, C, well, C minus. Um, started off a season with an F, but rebounded well down the stretch where I think, you know, you know, average to um, a little bit below average um, is what I would say that the Penguins got from him this year. So coming up in the, in the second segment, we're going to get to that player who 
Um, you know, the Penguins could have interest in because it looks like he's on the trade block, but you know, should they have interest in, you know, what could a, a trade package look like for him? And then to wrap it up, we're going to get into the Eastern Conference final. So, um, before we get to all that though, BetOnline is your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, news, and odds, including this year's basketball championship matchup between the Celtics and the Warriors, the Eastern Conference final between <clears throat> the Rangers and the Lightning. MLB and, of course, the latest fighting news from MMA and UFC to boxing. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. You can head to the website today or use your phone to learn more about the trends in action. That is BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, I'm back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter, at Hunter Hodes. You can also follow the show's Twitter, at LO underscore Penguins. <clears throat> Excuse me. So let's get into another potential trade scenario that, you know, maybe has a chance of happening, maybe it doesn't. Again, we are in silly season here. I'm going to keep saying that word almost every podcast until July 13th or potentially even further out from that. If you are a a long-time listener or if you are a first-time listener, um, just continue to get used to it. Or, you know, if you're, again, if you're a first-time, just, again, really get used to it. So I did see... So the last couple of days, Elliot Freeman's talked about the Chicago Blackhawks in the 32 Thoughts podcast on the Jeff Merrick show. And he's reported that the Blackhawks are open to basically trading everyone except uh, Jonathan Taves, Seth Jones, and Patrick Kane. So they don't want to trade what they think is their core. They said everyone else is basically open for business. That includes Alex DeBrincat. And as much as I would love the Penguins to get him, he's basically their version of Jake Gensel. I don't see how they do that. Uh, his cap hits a lot. Um, they are going to want the house for him, and rightfully so. He is a very good player. Um, I, I don't think um, the Penguins get him. Um, but there is a player that is pretty young at this point and still could have a, a lot of really good years ahead, and that is Kirby Doc. Um, so far, um, he's played three seasons in the NHL. He's only 21 right now. He's going to be 22 um, next season. First year in the league in 2019-20. Eight goals, 23 points, 64 games. The next year got banged up. And then 21-22 this past season. Played 70 games, nine goals, 26 points in 70 games. Those are all um, career highs for him. But then you go to the underlying numbers. And, you know, they, they weren't pretty. You know, the Blackhawks only had 45% of the shot attempts with him on the ice. 42% of the actual goals. 44% of the expected goals for the Blackhawks when he was on the ice. 45% of the swing chances. 48% of the high danger chances. And then... Um, 35% of the high danger goals who are shot 8.3% this year, which is basically where he shot his rookie year the season, the season before this one, though, 11.3%, which is uh, pretty crazy how um, high that is. He is a pure center, um, at least according to hockey reference, right hand shot. So that would be very beneficial for the Penguins. So now it comes down to, would he be a good fit on this team? Um, I don't know if he would be a good fit, but I think he's a player that is the perfect definition of a, you know, honestly a low risk but high reward because, you know, he's only 21 years old. You know, I I said it on my Thursday episode for those who not listen to me, ages 22 to 26 are usually your peak years in NHL. Can you have great years when you're 27, 28, 29, 30? Absolutely. Can you even have great years after you're 30? Yes. Okay, Sidney Crosby, Austin Matthews, who's probably going to be like that soon. Alex Ovechkin, obviously Steven Stankos, who's in his 30s now. Um, He's still chugging along just fine. But 
you know, for Doc, you know, he's struggled in Chicago, but I'm wondering how much of that is due to the quality of teammates on there because he's on a rebuilding team and due to the fact the Hawks are one of the worst defensive teams in the league. That That's my biggest question. You put him on a team like the Penguins, who it, it's a much, I think, a be, much better system for him because he's an, a dynamic player and a more defensively responsible team because I definitely think the Penguins fall in that category. Um, do his numbers improve? Um, I would say they do. You know, I'm not going to – I don't think this is a, a full-on, you know, really good comparison, but, you know, I, I kind of, in a small way, related to Dan Heinen a little bit, who's obviously a bit older, but, you know, he was with Anaheim for a few of those years. Not a good offensive team. Also not a good defensive team. His his, his numbers overall, counting stats, and his metrics were really fading. Comes to the Penguins, a brand-new system that, you know, suits his – abilities and has his best season as an NHLer, and he's set up to either um, get a decent contract by the Penguins or um, by another team because you know if the Penguins aren't able to sign him as an RFA um, I am sure he's going to go out there and get a decent amount of money so you know I wouldn't be surprised to see Chicago do sell on him just because he hasn't been the player that they thought he would be for his first three seasons as far as the package goes you know his value is not at a big high right now so I know I said for Jesse Pugliarvi on Thursday, you know, POJ and Kasperi Kapanen, right? You know, I honestly think you could probably get Kirby Doc for a bit less than that. Maybe even that same package, you know, Pugliarvi, he's had better seasons than him. So he should be able to get a higher package, even though he's a bit older than Doc. But, you know, I could also see the Hawks going with Doc. Okay, you know, pretty young player. You know, if we're going to deal him, we know we want to get a decent return back to, you know, to set ourselves up for the future and all that. Um, I can see the Penguins giving away a prospect and a pick for him. Maybe it doesn't even require a roster player. So, you know, that's what I would think what would be cost. You know, if you do POJ and, you know, maybe a second in next year's draft or a third round pick and maybe this year's draft, I don't think they're going to ask for a first for Doc. I don't think he deserves a first in return. Just looking at his numbers the last few seasons and, um, you know, his counting stats too, but you know, if you can, you know, if you can get him for, you know, a future or two, um, I say you do, you know, it makes the team faster going into next year. It makes them a hell of a lot younger. Um, and, you know, I think that those are two of the big things that I'm looking at for Ron Hextall this offseason outside of bringing the big two back and Chris will tell you getting Malkin. I want the team to get younger and faster because Sidney Crosby, Benny Malkin, Crystal Tang, they are not getting any younger. At the end of the day, you know, this is at work. We're at the end of the, their championship window here. They don't have time to mess around. If you want to go out and get all three of them, if all three come back, one more Stanley Cup, you, you got to make the moves that puts them in the best position. You know, maybe this one is, maybe it doesn't. If you don't give up a lot, again, it's a low risk, high reward move. And, you know, maybe him in a different system uh, is beneficial to him. You know, sometimes players need change of scenery. It happens all the time. And then they go to another team and they flourish. You know, remember, I mean, Taylor Hall with Buffalo was playing really bad, goes to Boston, doesn't play like he does when he was with New Jersey, but still gets back to close to the level that we saw there. It's like, okay, you know, maybe this player did need a change of scenery. He's never going to be like that 90 to 100 point guy that some people thought he was going to be, but, you know, he's still going to be like that guy that can about 50 to 60 points. I'm not saying Kirby Doc's going to be like that. You know, you can maybe put him in your top six, your third line. I don't think he belongs on the fourth line or anything like that. But, you know, 
I do think with better teammates around him and a better system that you know fits his abilities, I really think um, the Penguins would make sense here, and I think they would have the <clears throat> excuse me the ability uh, to bring him in because uh, I'm look I'm trying to find what his contract um, is. I'm going to go on um, cat friendly here real quick. So he his AAV um, is three point four two five. Um, but only uh, this year, only a 925K um, um, cap hit for the Chicago Blackhawks. So that's a pretty decent deal. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, so he is an RFA this year. So and honestly, he's probably not going to get a raise. Um, considering what he just had, I mean, only three points higher than his um, career at, career high. Um, it, honestly, in a way, it, it's kind of a little like camping, you know, you know, could could those two could could you see a one for one there? I think that actually would make a little bit of sense. You know, two players that make very similar amounts of money. I think Doc would only Doc would only make um if I call this correctly, um two hundred K more than Kapanen. Um, you know, if the Penguins are able to sign Doc to a new deal, um, I'm sure it would probably be less for uh three million. Um, or something like that. And I'm sure for Chicago with Kapanen, he would probably sign for less than that too. So, you know, may, maybe a one-for-one one does work there. So I think I would be willing to take the chance on that player. Um, I wanted to bring up that for the episode of for today's show. Coming up in the final segment, we're going to get to that Eastern Conference final between the Lightning and the Rangers and why, you know, Tampa Bay, they just continue to not go away quietly. So that's all coming up right after uh, this commercial break. All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. You're going to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. You can also follow the show's Twitter at Eleanor's for Penguins. If anyone can hear um, some weird sound in the background, um, the ice cream truck is apparently making its way through to the neighborhood here. Um, the, the, the nine-year-old in me is just celebrating because I absolutely loved getting ice cream from the ice cream truck when I was a kid. Um, but... Let's get down to a short little segment on the Eastern Conference Final. The Tampa Bay Lightning have won three in a row against the Rangers. They're up three games to two heading back to Tampa. Um, I will say, I did say bolts and six from the start. Knock on wood. I am knocking on wood here. I know I've almost become like a mini version of Andrew Filipponi here with how horrible my takes have been lately with the playoffs and just jinxing teams. So I'm trying really hard not to do that. Um, but what we saw last night was Tampa Bay getting better as the game goes on. And when you let a team like that hang around for that long, you're just going to get beat. And that's what's happened the last three games for the Rangers. Game three, you're up two to nothing. You know, going into the second period, up two to one, going into the third, can't close the door. Game's less than a minute away from going to overtime. Tampa gets that goal. Game four, Tampa game brings their best. The Rangers aren't able to, to stop them. Series tied 2-2. Last night, the Rangers, the Garden's going crazy after Ryan Lingering gets a pretty fluky team of destiny goal. Tempe comes right back with Mikhail Sergachev, and then they score again with a minute 50 left in the third period because the Rangers just forgot how to play defense in their um, zone and because the Rangers were horrible after the first period. They had one high-danger chance in the last 40 minutes. And, you know, I, I'm sure some you know some people are probably going to blame the officiating because all that's all we saw in the first round against the Penguins. But at the end of the day, you know, this team has one goal at 5v5 in their last 150 minutes. That's you're not going to be a champion like that. And, you know, the lightning, you know, I think as Nick Zarara said it, they're, they're like that big bad villain 
in a movie, you know, you, you let it hang around, you know, you just see when you think you have them dead, you, you don't. It's almost in a way like, like Emperor Palpatine over here where, you know, he just comes back from the dead, which was a terrible decision, by the way. Screw Lucasfilm for doing that. He should have died in The Return of the Jedi. Um, but just when you think you have him dead, basically, especially in like Revenge of the Sith for all the Star Wars fans out there, you know, he's able to kill Mace Windu because, you know, had a little bit of help, but, you know, that's just, he's a perfect villain. And that's what Tampa Lightning are for a lot of people here. They are the perfect villain. They do not go away. And, you know, if they are able to close out the Rangers on Saturday, that's going to be a Stanley Cup final for the ages. Um, you know, you, you have the team that's a veteran, that full of veterans that they want to think they can make more history here going up against a team that's ready to win. You have the proven winners versus the team that's ready to just break through. They've destroyed every team in the Western Conference. The Avalanche are ready for this challenge. I think they would skate circles around any of these two teams. But with Tampa Bay and New York, they have the answer, both of them in goal. Vasilevsky is, I think, the best goaltender on the planet. Shosturkin is probably his um, heir, honestly. I would say it's 1A, 1B um, <clears throat> between those two. Um, but Tampa Bay, you know, they also have elite talent in their own right. And, you know, just there would be so many matchups in that kind of final that um, would absolutely blow blow me away. Um, you know, I'm not going to spend – I know I some other, um, some other, you know, podcasts I was listening to. Spent a good chunk on the, the the Jacob Truba missed chicken wing. Um, I think it was on Andre Palat, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not going to spend too much time on it. Um, that was he was head hunting there, as he's done basically all playoffs. Um, you know that's that's all I'm going to say about that. You know he's you know, he, he's not going to stop at this point. Um, but I think it's going to be a really good game on Saturday night. You know I don't think the Rangers are going to go down quietly. Um, they're five and elimination games when their backs are against the wall. They tend to play some of their best hockey, but this is going to be their biggest challenge for them. You know, they're going down to Tampa. It's the Hornets nest. Basically, uh, Andre Vasilevsky is absolutely dynamite in elimination games. I'm trying, I'm going to go find this stat here um, from Adam Goods. He tweeted this out. Um, I believe it was today or last night, if I can find this here real quick. Yeah. So since the start of the 2019-20 playoffs, Vasilevsky's played 15 potential knockout games. He's 10 and 5 in those games, 928 save percentage. Of those 10 wins, six of them are shutouts. Dude usually does not miss a chance to win a knockout game. He's going to be at his best tomorrow, but, and we'll have to see if Igor Shosturkin can step up to the plate. And we'll have to see if the Rangers can actually start scoring a 5v5 here. You know, this is basically year 20 of the Rangers going, yeah, our goaltender is better than yours, and our power play is also pretty good, but we're just going to pray to God that we win games. Um, overall when those two things are on. Um, and maybe their power play wasn't as good during the Henrik Lundqvist years. It's obviously really good this year. But you know, my point still stands of at least the goaltending part where you know they're, they're trying to win most of their games by only giving up one or two goals because they're going to feel like, oh, our goalie is just going to beat you every time. But you know, usually you know, that's not a viable strategy. Um, the Rangers know they're not going to be able to bring this whole group back next year. Um, I'm going to be curious to see how they look on Saturday night. But right now, all the momentum is on Tampa Bay side. We'll have to see if they can finish the job on Saturday. Um, and again, I just just to finish up this just to finish this up, it's crazy how you know Tampa Bay you know, they're doing this three years in a row, and you know it puts into perspective just how special the Penguins' run was because it took a really good Washington Capitals team to knock them out in six games. The Penguins were 
you know, 10 wins away from a championship, two wins away from going to a conference final where they would have faced the Lightning, which would have been a heck of a series, would have been the second time in three years that these two teams would have went at it. Um, it just goes to show, again, how special that run was and, you know, just how, you know, great this Lightning dynasty is. You know, I mean, th- their fans are going to be telling their kids about this or grandkids about this someday. So we'll have to see if the Lightning do win tomorrow. The Stanley, Stanley Cup final will start next Wednesday, and it will go through June 28th and then two more weeks until free agency and all that. So, again, thank you all so much for listening to this episode. I really hope you all got something out of it and you enjoyed listening to it. Um, if you did, leave a, a like on the YouTube page, uh, leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, I always appreciate everyone um, that reaches out telling me they love the show and all that. And if you don't like a certain aspect of the show, just let me know. Be nice about it, but you know, just definitely let me know. I'm all again. I'm always looking to improve the quality of this show. I, I take this very seriously, um, and I know I've been doing this for almost three years. I, I absolutely love doing it. And if there's something that you know maybe you don't like or you want me to do better, you know, just reach out. We'll have maybe have a conversation about it. So um, again, thank you all so much for listening, and I'll be back with another episode on Monday. Hope you all have a wonderful uh, mid June weekend.